Hour two of the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we've got market movers. Week one is officially a wrap in the NFL. The market's moving like crazy in one of the futures markets on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We've got more NFL headlines. We'll also break down some college football with Drew Martin bets. First, let's take a look at how a lot of these week two lines in the NFL have already been on the move since week one results. First, starting with the San Francisco 49ers, the line moved against them after week one, moving minus five and a half to minus three and a half on the road at Philadelphia. The Denver Broncos got a lot of movement in their favor, minus two and a half to minus six and a half at Jacksonville. Yeah, fade the Jags. Just kidding. I don't really have a play there, but I just am so mad at them. Indianapolis minus one. That line flips to plus four and a half at home against the Los Angeles Rams. Tampa Bay, whew, look at this one, minus seven to minus 12 and a half against Atlanta. Arizona, minus one and a half to minus three and a half against Minnesota. And the last move, craziness, Monday night football. The Green Bay Packers host the Detroit Lions. Green Bay opened at minus seven pre-week one. Now, minus 11 and a half against the Lions. Ben, which line move stood out to you the most? Let's start with the two biggest ones there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers being favored by 12 and a half, and then the Green Bay Packers on Monday night being an 11 and a half point favorite against the Detroit Lions. The Lions, who we love for a backdoor cover. In fact, let's focus on Detroit first and foremost, because the Lions don't win a ton of football games, but they came back to have that backdoor cover against the Niners in week number one, depending on when you got that spread. If you got it closer to kick, then yes, the Lions gave you a backdoor cover on Sunday at home. They go on the road this week for Monday night football. And the Lions last year in 2020 were 7-9 and nine against the spread, 3-3 three and three and even 500 against the spread against divisional foes, of which, of course, the Green Bay Packers are one. So I would not sleep on the Detroit Lions being an 11.5-point underdog against the team of the Green Bay Packers who looked all very inimpressive, unimpressive, I should say, in that week one opener against the New Orleans Saints. The Green Bay Packers scored the lowest total of any 32 NFL teams in week number one, only posting three points against the Saints. The team with the second lowest total, the Atlanta Falcons, who had just six points against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, the Eagles defense might be a little bit better this year, but was able to limit Atlanta to just six points. And the Falcons are a 12 and a half point underdog against the reigning Super Bowl champs in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One thing to know about Atlanta, Ariel, their week one performance was historically bad offensively. When you dive through the stats, it was their worst stat performance offensively since week 17 of the 2014 season. It was the first time for Matt Ryan since his rookie season in the NFL. And Matt Ryan is 37, by the way, that he has thrown for less than 165 yards with attempting more than 35 pass attempts. It was really bad. They had a minus 18.6 EPA expected points added per play. That is terrible stuff under Arthur Smith, who is thought to be a very good offensive mind. So my eye first goes to those two big spreads and having an indication of why they are that way. The Bucks minus 12 and a half against Atlanta, the Packers minus 11 and a half against the Lions on Monday Night Football. 
I just can't believe that these lines moved so much from the week one to week two. And Dave Sherapin came on the show yesterday and mentioned he loves that these lines move so much to week two. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. Second hour here on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mighty Earths and 90 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. The Denver Broncos line stands out to me too. Minus two and a half to minus six and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's on the road in Jacksonville. This is the Jaguars home opener. They were just in Houston taking on the Texans and got upset by them. And now Denver, who picks up the win over the Giants, and it was a pretty big, uh, it was a win by a pretty large margin. And now Denver going on the road. A second game on the road, actually. Ben, how much does that factor into a handicap, seeing that this is Denver's now second straight road game, and they're going to have to be, uh, now it's a pretty big spread of almost a touchdown. But I still think you're getting the Broncos with a good number inside that key number of seven. And it will be the first home start for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. But the second game played this year at TIAA Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. I like this move on the Denver Broncos. It makes sense. They had a ton of market movement in their favor for week number one against the New York Giants, despite the fact the Giants were the betting majority favorite, or at least getting a solid majority of the handle for that week one opener against the Broncos. That could have been some East Coast bias, and the Broncos still went out there and beat the Giants by two touchdowns, 27-13. to 13. One other line that I will mention, of course, you have to look at the flip for the Colts and the Rams. Do the Colts be a one-point favorite now to be a four, four-and-a-half-point underdog? A huge indication of not only where the Rams are, but what might be the health status of the Indianapolis Colts across the roster. I also look at one more area, the, uh, the Niners and the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. Philly got a win. The Niners had a backdoor cover against them, depending on where you got the number, but still looked pretty good in that week one win against the Detroit Lions. And the number has worked against the Niners from five and a half down to three and a half. That total also standing at 50 for this game between the Niners and the Eagles. I would look to the over. I expect a lot of points in that game on Sunday. I really am excited to see what Carson Wentz does in week number two with the Colts. Curious if there's any kind of any kind of um, any way that he improves. I want to see signs of improvement out of this Colts offense after now having a full week under their belt. There was very little time for that offense to get adjusted and uh, build a relationship with each other because Carson Wentz got surgery on his foot and then was out because of COVID protocols. Coming up next, more news from around the NFL that will have implications on those week two lines coming up later this week. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We just mentioned a bunch of line moves heading into week two of the season in the NFL. One of those moves was the 49ers at the Eagles. That move was the San Francisco 49ers moving from favorites uh, five and a half points down to three and a half points on the road at the Philadelphia Eagles. With that line movement against them, there was an injury that came with their week one appearance. 
The 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan announced that their running back, Raheem Mostert, has chipped cartilage in his knee and is headed to the IR, should be out about eight weeks. Before we dive into the game against the Eagles, Ben, Trey Sermon time, a guy who we were shocked was gonna was uh, not activated this week. How much do you believe Trey Sermon could make his debut? I certainly hope he does for the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Sermon, the third-round draft pick out of Ohio State that thrilled all of college football late last year in 2020. It was another rookie on Sunday for the San Francisco 49ers. Eliza Mitchell, a sixth-round pick out of Louisiana that went off against the Detroit Lions. He had 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown, averaging 5.5 yards per carry against Detroit. And again, Tough news for Raheem Mostert. Really unfortunate he has to go to the IR. But as we have seen time and again in the NFL, and I'm not taking things away from running backs, but they don't affect a spread all that much. Even the best running back in the NFL might move a number by a hook, a point, maybe a point and a half at the absolute most. So I think this line movement is more an indication that maybe there were some tweaks to that 49ers defense allowing the Lions to have that backdoor cover last week and score 33 points, or that the Eagles look so good in their week one route of the Atlanta Falcons winning 32-6. to So I don't think this line move is for Raheem Mostert. And I think in the creativity of Kyle Shanahan's offensive scheme, whether it is Trey Sermon or Elijah Mitchell or anybody else they throw in there, their running back room will be just fine for the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm not overly concerned about Raheem Mostert's impact on the Niners moving forward. It is a tough break for their football team for sure. You feel bad for Raheem Mostert. But when you look at this line between the Eagles and the Niners, I think the movement is more so because of the week one results. And I also look at this line based on the week one results and look at the total going up to 50 and thinking that number might be a little bit too small for a Niners defense that is not all that great. And for a Philadelphia Eagles defense, defense that is improving but last year in the NFL gave up a ton of points when you look at the Niners they gave up 24.5 opponents points per game the Eagles more than that just over 26 and I think we saw both offenses being able to move the football and score in week number one I would look at this game to an over of that 50 I also don't think the number is all that bad on the San Francisco 49ers I want to move into Thursday night football. We're just a couple of days away, and we're getting whew, a great one. The New York Giants on the road at the Washington football team. Don't even get Ryan Fitzpatrick because he is now headed to the IR with a hip subluxation. It's going to be Taylor Heineke at the helm for the Washington football team. Here's what's crazy. Washington loses their quarterback. The Giants have everybody. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. The Giants are still three-and-a-half-point road dogs. Ben, how surprised were you to see this spread at minus three-and-a-half Washington? It's already come down by a hook in favor of the Giants slightly, but 88% of the betting handle is backing WFT against the spread. WTF, it is so weird to see all of that movement. And now that we have the questions about the football team and who will be their quarterback moving forward and how long will Ryan Fitzpatrick be out, and it will be Taylor Heineke for the foreseeable future for Washington. It is very interesting to see that number. And you also look at that total. It is dropped by two points down to just 41 it is the lowest currently of the week two slate the Giants also played in a game that had a total around 41 in that opener against the Broncos and that stayed under finishing at 40 in fact we had a decent amount of unders 
week one in this NFL season. So when you look at both of these teams, they both went under in their first games. Washington only scored 16 points. The Giants only scored 13 points. The Giants last year, also Ariel, had the highest under percentage in all of the National Football League, 81.2% of their games hitting to the under. Washington had the fifth highest because of that good defense at 64.7%. So Taylor Heineke showed a little bit last year, but I expect this game on Thursday night to be a little bit ugly. That's why you see a total at 41 on a short week. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring, sexy game by any means. And then look at those NFC East odds. Finally, the Giants have moved to the longest odds in that division at plus 500. The football team is tied with the Philadelphia Eagles for the second shortest odds at plus 340. The Cowboys, the favorites, once again, in this division by a good margin. But movement in the lines for this NFC East matchup early on. Movement in the NFC East divisional odds as well on the FanDuel Sportsbook. One final note. Washington plays this divisional game, and then their final five weeks of the regular season are all against the NFC East. That is something you must know if you are looking to jump, uh, put a couple of money down on the football team in the NFC East divisional market. Yeah, watching, watching Washington lose their week one matchup by four points to the Los Angeles Chargers. It's just, I'm curious how much offensively they're going to get going with Heineke sitting there at quarterback when you've got a Giants team that knows all that they know each other the question is just how much can Saquon Barkley get production up against one of the toughest defensive fronts in football the other New York team that avoided a really serious injury is to the Jets Mekhi Becton their left tackle even though it looked really bad when he was carted off the field and really emotional like Dr. David Chow from ProFootballDoc.com said that was the worst of it it was the emotion he really wasn't as badly injured. In fact, he's probably not missing the entire season. He's going to be sidelined about four to six weeks, Becton, after needing arthroscopic knee surgery to clean up damaged cartilage that he suffered during Sunday's loss to Carolina. The Jets are going to be facing the New England Patriots. The Jets are home this week. They are five-and-a-half-point home dogs against Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback, making his second start. Ben, how much could you see the Patriots being five-and-a-half-point home fa- uh, road favorites and covering that spread? I don't know what. Sports Rage Late Night. Nobody came with guns and knocked on my door and said, hey, jackass, you better bet on the Green Bay Packers. I made the decision, but I expected a football team, not the Girl Scouts. The thing with Aaron Rodgers is, if you're going to run your mouth and you're going to talk and you're going to complain as much as you do, you better deliver. Not bark start, bro. It's Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci. Weeknights at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Listen to Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM Channel 204 and get the times where the Jets scored 14 points or more last season. When it comes to the Patriots at minus five and a half, the quarterback of the Patriots, Mac Jones, is he going to get production? I, I don't know. I would lean more under, but the prop market for me, I'm looking at the Jets. I'm looking at Corey Davis and his, uh, his rookie quarterback connecting. That's where I see there to be value is on Corey Davis, whether it's receptions or receiving yards, Ben. 
Yeah, I mean, you know that rapport has been built up by Zach Wilson. I was mentioning before the technological issues we have had from this home studio setup bounced in there. I think there could be some issues for the New York Jets on that offensive line. Losing Mekhi Becton for any amount of time, it's not as serious as we once expected, but even in that four- to six-week timetable is going to be difficult because the Jets allowed six sacks last week against the Carolina Panthers with Mekhi Becton in there for a good majority of the game. So not to have him now and the Jets only scoring 14 points this past week. I think the line has moved in favor of the Patriots. It has gone from three and a half now to five and a half in favor of the Pats, even on the road at MetLife against the Jets. I still don't think that number is big enough as it stands at the moment. So losing Mekhi Becton will have a serious impact for the New York Jets. And that Patriots defensive front, they are going to be very, very good this year. I think they might have a field day in New York. Yeah, probably staying under 42 and a half. I'll just keep betting the under on Patriots games until they give me a reason not to. The Patriots are going to rely on their defense. They've gotten back six key players who didn't play last year because of COVID-19 protocols. Up against the Jets team, they just still can't figure out how to score more than two touchdowns. Take the under, 42 and a half. Coming up next, market movers, stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out on social media all over at Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. We give you the latest, the edge, and any videos you may have missed from the show. Yeah, I just did that to throw off the production team because half them are made up of Steelers fans, and I'm just in a bad mood today. Oh, and Ty is a Chiefs fan, so that makes things even worse. Anyway, let's get to checking in on the futures market. It's time for market movers. I was so excited to get to the market movers segment because his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and Ben's too, because he's weirdly randomly a Chiefs fan, he still has the shortest odds to win the MVP in the NFL. Mahomes' odds back on May 3rd were 5-1. to one. They now actually moved against him to 6-1. to one. The other players that are listed that have moved back on May 3rd, Aaron Rodgers was 9-1. to He's now caught on to some value at 15-1, to even though I just think that this whole thing, you should have Aaron Rodgers at 100-1. to He's not winning back-to-back. Josh Allen, 13-1, to is now a 12-1, to which is pretty impressive considering he just lost to the Steelers. Dak Prescott, 15-1, to stays at 15-1 to because whatever, he plays in the NFC East. Matthew Stafford, 15-1. to Now, he is one that is worthy of this movement. Stafford moves from 15 to 1 to 8 to 1 for the Rams. Brady, he also moves 17 to 1. Odds in his favor, 9 to 1, third shortest odds on the board. Russell Wilson, 20 to 1, is now 15 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the NFL MVP. Ben, which player stands out to you in regards to their odds movement on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Shall we begin? 
with Matthew Stafford, the new quarterback for the Los yes. Angeles Rams, because it is one of the biggest moves and feels like one of the most significant moves in the NFL MVP market. Of course, we can look at what Matt Stafford did in his Rams debut on Sunday night football against the Chicago Bears. 20 of 26, 321 yards and three touchdowns against Chicago on Sunday night. And when you look at these markets, I say this time and again, when you look at the futures market, especially looking at a player specific market and how it might correlate correlate or relate to a team market as well because they are correlated and success in one generally will dictate success in the other. So when you look at Matthew Stafford right now, who has the second shortest odds at eight to one to win the National Football League's MVP this season, you also need to look at where the LA Rams are in terms of the NFC picture and in the NFC West. They have the second shortest odds to win their own division in a very competitive NFC West at plus 210. But they are plus 650 to win the NFC Conference Championship that is tied with the Green Bay Packers for the second shortest odds. In fact, 50 cents shorter than the San Francisco 49ers in that market who are the favorites to win the NFC West. So although the Rams have the second shortest odds to win the NFC West, they are still minus 205 to the yes to make the playoffs. So as Matthew Stafford goes, so do the LA Rams go. If the LA Rams are going to contend for that top spot in the NFC conference, they are plus 650 tied for the second shortest odds. The guy with the second shortest odds to win the NFL MVP right now at eight to one is certainly going to be a reason why you have missed a lot of your value on a very trendy MVP pick before the season in Matthew Stafford. But that's where the focus goes in terms of a market movement specific perspective. When you look at Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. I absolutely love Matt Stafford in this market. We were discussing it before the break when we said Matt Stafford has it. He is the reason the Rams are going to be not only a playoff contender, an NFC contender. Matt Stafford is the quarterback that Sean McVay needed all along. Someone who has veteran experience, someone that doesn't need to be taught how to play, just someone who he can work with to continue to get better. Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford connected. They looked awesome together the Rams defense was never in question it's just going to be about how much this uh, this division beats up on each other in the NFC West I still believe Matt Stafford's out there to prove something he's out there to prove his career he's out there to prove that he's an underrated quarterback because he was on a bad team he has a chip on his shoulder the same way the Rams do that's why I love Matt Stafford Tom Brady on the other hand you're talking about a player that completely ruined my 100-1 to Super Bowl MVP because of his name. Of course, Tom Brady's always in the conversation because he's Tom Brady. Tom Brady getting odds moving in his favor doesn't shock me after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continued to look good in week one of the season against the Dallas Cowboys. That last drive of the game where Brady just had to slice and dice the Cowboys defense and get the job done, knew he just had to throw the ball away three straight times to set up his kicker for the field goal that won the game. Brady still looked incredible last week on Thursday Night Football. Brady having the odds movement in his favor is no shock because of his name. Do you think that a I'm going to bet the guy that ruined my Devin White MVP Super Bowl uh, uh, bet. No, no, I'm not betting it. No way. I'm so over this market with MVP conversation because everyone I want to win it never wins it, and they lose to the big name. That being said, Ben, looking over to either Brady or Mahomes, I was surprised to see that Mahomes' odds moved against him, even though he picked up a win against the Cleveland Browns. 
And despite the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a perfect 11-0 in career starts he has made in the month of September in his NFL career with a passing touchdown to interception ratio of 35 to nothing. Zilch. Zip. Nothing. 35 passing touchdowns, zero interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. But when we talk correlated markets, it makes sense that Tom Brady has had his odds to win the NFL MVP get shorter. At plus 900, tied for the third shortest odds. Again, it's the idea of Matthew Stafford and why you've seen that market movement and how you can correlate it to the NFC Conference Championship because of the Bucks' season opening win against the Dallas Cowboys. Although not pretty at times, their odds to win a second straight Super Bowl actually got shorter after Thursday night's opener from plus 600 to plus 550 so it makes sense from a market correlation standpoint that tom brady's odds have become shorter to win the nfl mvp there is no value on tom brady there is maybe even less value on patrick mahomes or matthew stafford and a guy we could not include in this graphic because we have certain parameters we need to hit kyler murray has also come screeching up the NFL MVP board. He is also tied with Tom Brady for the third shortest odds in this market at plus 900. Tom Brady had a huge stats week in week number one, as did Kyler Murray in a very impressive Arizona Cardinals victory over the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, again, NFC West is that division to me, Ben, where I could see whoever wins this division winning MVP. Russell Wilson, and eh, not Jimmy mm. Garoppolo, because that's going to be a quarterback. Uh, maybe, but probably not. I could see it being any of those three, whether it's Seattle, the Cardinals, the Rams. Any of those three quarterbacks win that division, I think that any of those three are going to win the MVP, especially if you have Kyler Murray doing it. He's going to be the reason that the Cardinals win that division. Just look at the style of play, whether it's him, a Lamar Jackson, a Josh Allen. The reason all three of those quarterbacks are so much fun to watch they could take off at any given moment. They're going to score touchdowns for you in majority of the games they play just by running the ball in. That's why Kyler Murray is so exciting. Then he also had DeAndre Hopkins, two touchdowns already. This was a player that last year had six total touchdowns in the regular season. I couldn't believe that DeAndre Hopkins only had six touchdowns last year. He's already one-third of the way there after one game. They're going to they're gonna get DeAndre Hopkins more involved in the red zone, which is what makes Kyler Murray even more scary. I love that you pointed his name out. Again, like we said, anyone in the NFC West has a chance at winning this division. They're all still 1-0. Ben, whoever wins the division probably wins MVP. Ariel, a fantastic point you just made there because we know the NFC West is going to be uber, uber competitive. And the team that comes out on top, or at least the teams that make the playoffs playoffs out of the NFC West, which could be all four of them, by the way, at the same damn time, they have a great shot to win the NFL MVP. And let's focus on on Russell Wilson. He has had the odds move in his favor from 20 to 1 to 15 to 1 currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And he, in my opinion, still has the value in this market. Russell Wilson has been criminally undervalued in the NFL MVP market. He has yet to receive a single MVP vote in his entire NFL career. That blows my mind. It is bonkers. It makes no sense. Could this be the year then that Russell Wilson earns that MVP vote? Maybe earning the MVP honor. I think you're going to find some value on Russ because again, when we talk about the NFC West, they had the odds move in their favor. They being the Seattle Seahawks from plus 270 to plus 260 after an impressive win on the road in Indianapolis on Sunday. Their team win total shot up as well to 10 and a half. 
the over having the juice, and they have pretty good odds to make the playoffs as well. You also look to the correlated market of the Seahawks in the NFC. They are 9-1 to to win the NFC Conference Championship, the fifth shortest odds. We know the NFC West is going to be a huge factor, maybe the determining factor in how the NFC playoff picture looks this year. If the Seattle Seahawks are top up there, if they are close to the number one seed, the number two seed, even just getting into the playoffs and Russ is putting up big numbers, then that is going to be a great indication for the NFL MVP market. So you may have lost the value on Matthew Stafford moving from 15 to one to eight to one. You may have lost the value at Kyler Murray, who is now tied for the third shortest odds at plus 900. I still think there is value on Russell Wilson. The odds have moved in his favor from 20 to one to 15 to one, but at plus 1500, I still think there's value on the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, it's crazy. And I know we're talking about market movers for the futures market in the MVP race. I'm looking at the coach of the year odds just because I scrolled down to it. You know, who's the leader right now for coach of the year? Not Brandon Staley anymore. I'm guessing. No, not Brandon Staley. He's tied for the shortest odds. With this man, Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. I love it. I love it. A quarterback transformation. And you have Jameis Winston right now, who looked incredible in week one with five touchdowns and zero interceptions. A man that led the league in passing yards, yet also in interceptions just a few years ago. Jameis Winston for MVP? Nah. Comeback player of the year, though, maybe. I would take Jameis over Dak Prescott right now for comeback player of the year, even though Prescott almost lost his ankle. I'm not into sob stories. I love that Jameis Winston is making a comeback. Stay on the grid. Drew Martin bets up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein joining us now from here on sports grid host of in game live it is drew martin bets drew martin thanks for joining us here on this hashtag trusted cat for tuesday thank you ariel thanks for that uh nice tee up to the intro sounds good you know always good to be on with you and ben tuesday mornings big 10 ben ariel Prop Queen Epstein, and uh, heck, hopefully I can be uh, plus money Martin in week three college football, so hopefully find some winners. And uh, yeah, Ariel, um, in-game live on Sunday night, you know, we got it popping right now, me and Joe Lisi, kind of recapping college football in the NFL, so come join us there, uh, 8 p.m. to midnight on uh, on Sunday nights, right here on SportsGrid. I absolutely love it. And you did just talk about Big Ten, Ben. So we've got to talk about some college football. Let's dive into some of your card. What would you say is your favorite bet going into the weekend in college football? It's a great question. You know, in terms of favorite, sometimes I, I, I go towards the fandom in me and, you know, a little bit of the degenerate, let it roll type of gambler. And those would be the singled out weekday games, you know, sidewise plays. It seems like that kind of, better is is 
I guess more mainstream in college football betting, so the sidewise. But in terms of what I'm risking the most money on, Ariel, it would be more totals. That's just where my record is better. And I do have one total here on on the board that I uh, got involved with so far early in the week, and that's SMU and Louisiana Tech. SMU minus 13-point road favorites here, 65.5 being the total in this one. And really going after this because, of course, SMU's head coach is Sonny Dykes. He likes to run it up. And one thing I think is running under the radar in the college football betting markets, Ariel, is the defensive coordinator hire, Jim Levitt. This guy can really coach him up on defense. He was the former head coach for USF. He's he's coached some really good defenses along the way to making it to SMU. And sure enough, early in the season, SMU has two unders. And they've only averaged 68 plays, so they're not really running it up tempo-wise. Louisiana Tech averaging 65 plays as well. So asking these two teams to get to 66 points, I don't really see it. I mean, the Mustangs did get to 56 points versus Abilene Christian, but Abilene Christian of the FCS level, they're not going to be able to control tempo like that against the Bulldogs that went, you know, head up with Mississippi State, almost gave Mississippi State a loss there in Starkville. So I like the uh, under in the SMU-Louisiana Tech game. And you'll see some of those early week two lines as we get Drew Martin back dealing with some technological issues as well. He talked about, Ariel, the degenerate nature of him looking at games when they stand alone on a weekday, including on Thursday night, Louisiana taking on Ohio. And I believe Drew Martin is back right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Louisiana, a 19-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Ohio on Thursday night. Drew, you talked about those singular games on a weekday in primetime. We all love to sit down on our couch and watch them. Why are you leaning the Raging Cajuns on Thursday? Sure. I mean, it's the talent discrepancy, Ben. Um, You know, Ohio up there in the MAC, just just kind of conference rating wise, you know, the Sun Belt a lot better talent wise than the Mac. Plus the fact this Ohio Bobcat team, you know, no Frank Solich calling the play, you know, just leading the program. Now it's Tim Albin as the head coach. And this is actually his first road trip. Add on to that, Ben. It's a short week. You know, both of these two teams played on Saturday. So I always have this Thursday night game. Hey, who is the home team? Does the away team have a bye week? And sure enough, the Bobcats, no bye week here. It's a short week having to play against a really good Sunbelt team here. And of course, Ohio, you know, their two games so far, they lost to Syracuse. Actually made Syracuse look pretty good there. And then, uh, and then they also lost to an FCS Duquesne, which Duquesne is not a top 25 FCS team. So that's a really ugly loss, 28-26 in that one. And then you look on the other side, Billy Napier in his fourth year in Lafayette, talking about Louisiana now, just the raging Cajuns. They're stepping up in the world now. 20 of 22 starters back from last season. I know they didn't show well, nationally televised game, week one in Texas. So I actually, even though we're laying 20 points here, Ben, Keep in mind, three touchdowns. We win this game. I think they win going away here. We get the more talented team, and uh, uh, we're kind of buying low in a sense because that nationally televised game against Texas, they didn't show well. So uh, with the much more talented team, I'm laying 20 points with the home team on the short week. Instead of laying points, let's start taking them. Going to some underdogs, Michigan State. Why do you like the Spartans? Sure, enough of being a a chalk-eating weasel here. Let's get uh, on the plus side of things. Michigan State, plus six and a half, total of 56 in this one. Miami, you know, 
talk about home field advantage there in South Florida in Hard Rock Stadium. You know, if it's a Saturday night game against a big time opponent rivalry game type style, they have a good home field advantage. This is one of the home field advantages in college football that changes a lot. This is a 12 noon on Saturday kick. It's going to be hot, muggy. There's actually probably going to be a lot of Big Ten fans there, Michigan State Sparty fans. And when you look at Miami, yeah, they are one and one. They got blown out by Alabama. They're actually 0-2 against the spread. Against App State, they did not show well at, at all. They've been almost outgained by 200 yards combined here. Manny Diaz, the head coach. Derek King, you know, when he came into this season, a lot of people, you know, oh, he's a great athlete in this system. Offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, it's going to really work. I think we actually talked about it on the show in terms of betting the Miami Hurricanes under for their season win total. It's really coming to fruition. I mean, they almost started off the season 0-2. I think there is a little something there with Derek King. Not 100%, and maybe he is physically, but he's not that same explosive runner he was last season. And we get, uh, you know, Mel Tucker in Michigan State. They're looking good now. 2-0 ATS, 2-0 straight up. They had a good win against Northwestern. So I think we're catching near a touchdown here with the, with the Spartans from the Big Ten against the ACC. I think Michigan State wins outright, but uh, give me the plus 6.5 for the safety. Love a little sprinkle on the money line there, plus money, Martin. I absolutely love it. Like you mentioned, Michigan State, 2-0 straight up, 2-0 against the spread. Miami, 0-2 against the spread so far in 2021. Now, I can't believe I'm about to say these words, but you were betting on Kansas football, plus 17 in their Week 3 game as well. Why the love for the Jayhawks, Drew Martin? Sure, Ben. And, and a lot of people look at that Coastal Carolina game, and I guess you could say if you got the, the, the normal numbers out there, what was it, 26 and a half? It was bouncing around. Some sports books actually got up to 27. So depending where you got it, you probably lost that game. But if you actually watched Kansas play against Coastal Carolina, the Jayhawks are a lot better this season. And sometimes you can catch these teams kind of on that on-ramp to getting more talented players, which a lot of players transferred over from Buffalo, followed their head coach, Lance Leopold. And you can see it in the trenches in their offensive line. Their quarterback, Bean, he can really run. And Baylor, look, this is a pretty decent Baylor team, you know, likely a bowl team here, but this isn't one of the more you know, talented teams in the Big 12. I think they struggled a little bit offensively, you know, in that Texas State game. Uh, they weren't really dominating up front. So I don't think they're going to be able to push over Kansas here. And we get 17 points here with a heck of a head coach and Lance Leopold. Um, I think they're actually going to shorten the game. You know, Kansas has only been running a shortly, a little bit over 60 plays a game here. So I don't think it's going to be a ton of possessions. We get 17 points with a home dog. I'll take it. I don't think they win the game, but I do think they stay within 17 points. So the Jayhawks plus 17, Ben. I'm looking at this other game that you're taking the uh, that you're laying points with, and you like Central Florida this week. Why are you going with the Knights? Yeah, this is another um, what Friday Night Lights game here, and UCF versus Louisville, of course, AAC versus ACC here. Sixty-eight being the total. UCF minus six and a half is what I bet them at. Now, most sports books, including FanDuel, at minus seven. So uh, make sure there it's it's kind of a key number. So if you can't find the six and a half, that's the, the way I would go in it. But looking at Louisville, you know, Ariel, they gave up 569 yards to Mississippi. Yikes. And 
when you look at this UCF offense, you know, under Gus Malzahn, they have a sh on short turnarounds. Go look back, you know, at his time at Auburn. They fared very well. This is a very simple offense. His first year at Arkansas State, they won 10 games. His first year at Auburn, they went all the way to the national championship, you know, one play away from being the national champion. It's an easy offense to understand. And sure enough, Dylan Gabriel in his first year in it, is throwing the ball very, very well. A um, couple stats here on UCF. Game one, they ran 85 plays. Game two, 86 plays. So they are running real, real up-tempo, over 600 yards on offense. I don't think they're going to change much at all. And uh, Louisville, you know, we talked about giving up over 500 yards to Mississippi. Mississippi ran 77 plays in that game, 7.8 yards per play. So on a short week to prepare for this UCF offense, I think they run it up. I like this over. I touched that at 67 and a half to the over. But even more so, if you can find it under a touchdown, the UCF Knights, I think they win going away at Louisville, minus six and a half if you can find it. I love the tonal play there, Drew. I think it's going to look a little bit like it looked like on that first Monday night of week one of the college football season when the total was 74 yep. and a half between Ole Miss and Louisville. Louisville didn't score a ton. If the cards can score, I don't think this has any trouble of going over that 67 and a half. Now we see the Auburn helmet there over your right shoulder. A huge top 25 tilt in Happy Valley this week. A whiteout at Beaver Stadium between Penn State and and Auburn. Right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Nick Lions, a six and a half point home favorite against your Auburn Tigers, Drew. Not asking for a pick necessarily, but how would you approach betting this game? Sure, Ben. I mean, this is going to be a great game to watch as a fan. I'm ready to I'm ready to rock. And I know there's probably more Penn State fans watching, or maybe I'm not really sure. The thing I left it off my card, Ben, is because I think there's just huge question marks with Auburn. Sure, they've scored over 120 points, but who have they played, really? I mean, I, I can't even name the one school they played. I don't know it off the top of my head at the FCS level. And then Akron, uh, a bottom five team in FBS. So I don't usually put a lot into that, just running up scores, you know, 60 to 10 to Akron, whatever it was. I mean, we get a quarterback here in Bo Nix. When you go look at what he's done on the road, it's pretty ugly, Ben. It, it really is. He has not performed well in the in the tougher atmospheres to play, you know, at Tuscaloosa, at Georgia, uh, at Texas A&M. We're talking, you know, 13 points, 7 points, 6 points, things of that nature where there's absolutely no offense. Now we're asking him to go up to Happy Valley in a whiteout Saturday night and perform well to stay, you know, a competitive price here. Let's face it, if you're taking plus 6, you're thinking Auburn's going to stay in this game right up till the end. I don't know. I think that that's a tough ask here. I think there's question marks on Penn State side as well. I think Auburn defensively can hang in the game. I really do. But the fact of, uh, you know, just quarterback play on the road, I think that's a huge question mark here. I like being on the home team in these situations. You know, I think they 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 kind of power rank about about even here, Ben. I think it it, it really is, you know, the minus six goes towards Penn State. I think the odds makers have it right. Whereas if Auburn was at home, I would put them as a minus six-point favorite on a Saturday night as well. So uh, I, I don't really see a play sidewise. I think this is going to be a great one to watch. I just don't have anything for you in terms of uh, risking my money on it, Ben. 
I hate five and a halfs. Five and a halfs are just such a limbo. It's a no man's land. I agree. Not willing to lay the points with Penn State, but certainly not willing to fade them in Happy Valley. Drew Martin, thank you so much for coming on with us. Drew Martin bets. Cabo Drew, wherever you are right now, thanks for coming on. We'll see you next week. Ariel, Ben, best of luck to you guys and uh, cash those tickets this weekend. Our favorite on hashtag Trusted Capra Tuesday. Coming up next, we close out our number two of the show. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. at hour two of the morning after on sports grid it is sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein let's get now to guess the line the san francisco giants have a two and a half game lead into the national league west division the dodgers the team behind them the Giants currently minus 140 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the division with the Dodgers at plus 120. Ben, going into the last week of the regular season, guess the line for the National League West uh, division picture. I'm going to say it is longer odds for the San Francisco Giants. I think they will be somewhere in the ballpark of minus 175, minus 180 if these odds are even still up by this point on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Only three divisional races, Ariel, by the way, still up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But the Giants with a two-and-a-half game lead right now, they have nine games remaining against the San Diego Padres. And had you asked me that back in April, I would have said, dang, that's a really tough schedule. Right now, not so tough. They just hammered the Padres 9-1 to one yesterday to become the first team in MLB to clinch a playoff berth this year. They also have a road series against the Rockies, and it's always harder to play at Coors Field, but also a home series against the Arizona Diamondbacks mixed in with another series against the Atlanta Braves. I think the Giants are set up to continue to win baseball games, and they have won eight straight at the moment. So I think they will hold on to a two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half game lead in the National League West. They'll be minus 175 by the final week of this Major League Baseball season. Ooh, minus 175. I love it. The Dodgers are just getting so much love by the book. Was just taking a look at the World Series picture on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Dodgers are at plus 250. The Giants plus 950. The funny part is there's one, two, three. There's four teams in between the two of them. The Giants have the best record in baseball. They're going to have home field advantage if they stay at this pace through the rest of the playoffs. And you're going to tell me that the Dodgers, who have to play through a wild card game, winner take all, which means you're going to lose your best pitcher for at least a game early on into your first series. Then you don't have home field advantage against the Giants? Mm, I don't know. Giants are so undervalued right now. Hour three, happy hour, coming up next. 